Welcome to the Alberta Prosperity Project podcast. If you're ready to listen, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Thursday, July 14th, 2022. Welcome to episode 10 of the Alberta Prosperity Project podcast. I'm your host, Hunter, today, joined today with Tanner, who is actually in my living room today. Tanner, how are you? I am in your living room. It's quite correct, which means that your house or your condo is now more exciting than it perhaps has ever been before, I think. Is that correct? I wouldn't say so. I used to be able to have a smoker on my deck, as you oh, know, but um, that's true. Yes, no. If that was the case, it would be. It would definitely be up there, though. I must admit. We're uh, yes. Maybe if you want to inform the listeners why you are in my living room today, that'd be great. Well, that's true. So I am in your living room because on Monday and Tuesday we, as a group of APP, with APP and and volunteers and members and coordinators and regional leaders and board members, etc., mm-hmm. we're at the Calgary Stampede. Were we not? We were at ranchman's on monday for a pancake breakfast which was excellent and then we had another venue or a function to do on tuesday and so well we've just had so so much fun the breakfast at ranchman's you know a pancake Mm. breakfast with sausages Mm -hmm. and eggs and etc you know all of that good stuff orange juice absolutely was just phenomenal right it was how many people did we have come up you know so it was a huge event we loved uh, seeing everybody out there a lot of new people that said they had never been to an event so that was awesome Um, had some great live music by Lindsay Butler was her name she did awesome Mm -hmm. Um, people really enjoyed it it was just such a fun atmosphere such a a good Calgary hospitable stampede feel Um, so yeah exactly and that's also I should mention Mm. why I'm wearing my hat today so as you know I wear this hat Mm. actually semi-regularly when mm-hmm. I head to town for groceries or go for yes. coffee in the morning what have you I actually enjoy wearing it quite a lot and mm-hmm. getting all the funny looks and so on and people asking you know why are you wearing such a hat yeah um but during stampede mm-hmm. I thought it was absolutely appropriate to brandish the hat and show as many people as possible you know my mm-hmm. my sense of style or fashion what mm-hmm. I think is fashionable is it fashionable well someone can debate it but I quite like it so mm-hmm. that's why I'm wearing it today because I thought what well, there's no more perfect time to wear that to wear a hat like this then today and yeah. one last thing i might also mm. mention the breakfast was fantastic as we said at ranchman's but my favorite thing was that the syrup was room temperature mm. i am of the belief that maple syrup or syrup in general has to be at room temperature to serve on a stack of pancakes i do not like it when syrup is cold and then goes on hot pancakes to me that's just intolerable it cannot mm. happen it absolutely cannot happen i don't know what your thoughts are on it but because the syrup at Ranchman's was room temperature when they were serving mm. the pancakes and the sausage, it just made it all the more excellent, so to say, to have to uh, to have a breakfast. Sure, absolutely, yeah, no, and I mean, uh, for those that have met me in person, obviously, you can uh, likely know that I love syrup of all forms and kinds. But I think that uh, at the end of the day, um, like you said, it was a great breakfast, and I mean, I don't know if I want to look at pancakes now for the next um, little yeah, bit. It was very, very good. Lot, don't get me wrong, but um, yeah. yes, as usually happens at Stampede, um, you sometimes just don't want to look at food for the next little bit. So that's okay. We're uh, yes, going back to to normal eating habits, if you want to call it that. But I guess with that said, uh, moving forward into the episode with Stampede. Stampede, obviously, we saw lots of uh, ranchers and cowboys, and we saw all the cowboy hats, uh, lots of people in cowboy boots, the big belt buckles and that, and we're seeing... um you know, people that are either farmers or supporting farmers are coming out in droves. And we're not only seeing this at the Calgary Stampede, but um, across the country of Canada as we're supporting farmers over in the Netherlands right now. Um, so for those that haven't heard, obviously the Dutch farmers at this moment are protesting regarding the European Union trying to bring in new regulations, A, on fertilizer and B, on how many cattle you can have based on emissions. And if you emit too much, they can come and get your farm or they can uh, mandate that you eliminate some of your livestock if you want to call 
call it that. That's the more, uh, you know, correct term, I guess, if we want to say. And so I guess, um, obviously, it sparked a huge debate with farmers saying there are going to be food shortages and they're already seeing some of that impact. Um, but I guess one first question that I'll ask you is, you know, what do you think the main purpose of these Dutch farmers protesting is and should we be supporting them or not? Oh, the APP is an absolute support of the farmers mm. protesting. They are courageous and they are valiant and they are doing it for a righteous cause. And so mm. we have, oh yeah, we've, we declare our absolute and total and full support for mm. those protesters. The reason really is that they're being attacked at present and not mm. in an outright sort of war, but, but they're being attacked insofar as their ability to produce what they know is good and their ability to engage in actions like farming, farming for food that they know is good and beneficial for the society at the whole, as a whole is under attack. And so there is this globalist UN, WEF, WHO, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, movement, this anti-human movement to restructure and reshape the society into a picture or into a state that we do not want to follow it. And those farmers don't want to follow it into that state either. And that includes, you know, reducing fertilizer or restricting fertilizer, uh, abolishing private property and, you know, having the state interject and trespass into domains that are not their own and so on. And so these, these farmers obviously influenced by Tamara Leach mm. and her, and her group of protesters, the convoy have also mm -hmm. taken to the streets in their tractors. They have this, you know, well, you've seen the pictures, there's these yes. massive committee of tractors yeah. that have totally overtaken the highways and so on mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. protest and declare their absolute intention to resist this push for this new order. And so we think it's, it's phenomenal. We put it, we put our support behind them, this protest and, and they're doing something ex exceedingly courageous in order to mm -hmm. protect what they know is necessary to encourage human flourishing. Yeah, absolutely. And that gives a, a nice segue, obviously, for the listeners that, uh, you know, either caught the episode last week or were unable to with Dr. Dennis Modry. Um, you had mentioned that you hauled grain for a little bit uh, for some farmers in the Leibminster area. So um, I guess maybe can you touch just a little bit, you know, I mean, obviously, a lot of people may not know the main reason for fertilizer or why it's so important. Um, so can you maybe first touch on why it's important and be why it costs so much? I mean, we hear farmers often saying how expensive fertilizer is getting. And um, I guess why is that the case and what's happening there? Right. Good question. So fertilizer is nitrogen fertilizer to be specific, mm. but all fertilizers, but nitrogen fertilizer is absolutely critical for the current yields that we achieve here in, in Canada and in the Western mm. provinces. Quite simply, crops chew on fertilizer or on nitrogen for food. They need nitrogen. And if they don't have it, they can't grow or they, sure, or they certainly can't grow to the capacity that we need them to grow. It's like mm. You and I have a breakfast in the morning of cereal or toast, what have you. We need it in order to start the day. And then we need something at lunch and we need something at, at supper. Mm -hmm. The same is true for crops. They need nitrogen. Mm -hmm. The problem is they can't, I'll be more specific in a moment, but as a, as a general rule, mm -hmm. they can't transform the nitrogen in the air as it exists, N2. They can't take that nitrogen and they can't transform it into something that is consumable for themselves. Sure. They're not able to chew it up. That's how I describe sure. it. It's like a baby without teeth right? Mm -hmm. They're unable to, to make it soluble to digest. And so, well, put simply, the farmer has to help them out. Now, mm -hmm. certain crops like peas right. are actually able to convert nitrogen. It's a mm -hmm. very select group of, of crops, but some can take the nitrogen from the air. They can convert it. They can use it as they need. And then they deposit the nitrogen back into the soil. Okay. Sure. So that's a, that's a couple of crops, but other crops like durum or, or barley or oats, you know, cereals, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. They can't do that right? They don't have that capacity. They don't have that ability. 
And when you farm as much as we do, when you continually recycle and use the land year after year after year to meet whatever self-imposed quotas you have as a farmer to supply the world and the country with food, well, there's no real way for the soil itself to be replenished of nutrients right. because it's always being used and the nutrients are always flowing into crops into, right. you know, like I said, Durham or, or rye or whatever, what have you. Hmm. So you have to help them out. And so hmm. when you go seeding, right, when you hmm. go air seeding, yeah. as you inject the crop into the ground, you also give a bit of nitrogen fertilizer, right? And maybe some MES or other fertilizers, but we're talking today about nitrogen. And you just, it, you know, you put it in with the crop and then it gives it a boost of energy to help it grow. And this is not something trivial either. Like that's critical. It's a critical uh, distinction to make. This is not a trivial increase in yield, right? It's a massive increase in yield when you add fertilizer. Mm. We'll, we'll uh, maybe put the paper at the bottom. Sure. But I was recently reading about a professor who was talking about nitrogen fertilizer. Mm. And his conclusion was that without it, without nitrogen fertilizer, you would have some three to 4 billion people not living today who currently do because of nitrogen fertilizer. It's that critical, right? right? It is astonishing how important that invention is. It might be in a, well, no, it not might be, it is one of the most important inventions in the last 200 years, without a doubt, right? Yeah. Without it, the difference in the size of the population in the world is massive. And so it's critical. Now, why is it so expensive, right? You asked that as well. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, well, it's not as expensive right now because the demand isn't as high, but you know, sure. a couple of months ago, it was like 17, 16, you know, $1,500 per ton compared to the $800 it was a year ago, right? There was a huge difference in the price of fertilizer. Why is that? Well, there are a lot of reasons. Like those who are also championing this WEF global reset, right? Mr. Trudeau and his government, and this is not a partisan statement, it's simply objective, have committed to reducing emissions on nitrogen fertilizer or nitrogen fertilizer emissions mm. by 30% from 2020 levels by 2030. Right. And so if you're a farmer or if you're an investor, you're looking at the future mm. of nitrogen and you're going, it doesn't look very good, right? Mm. It's going to certainly be in short supply. And right. so you start buying now and people start buying as much as they can, you know, at trying to anticipate what's going to happen next year. And that drove up the price. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, you realize that nitrogen itself or nit- no, excuse me, nitrogen fertilizer is made mm-hmm. with natural gas, with hydrocarbons sure. and with air. Sure. But we have a we have a carbon tax right on the yeah. hydrocarbons themselves. And so the input costs are increasing. Mm-hmm. You also realize that in the east, in the eastern provinces, mm-hmm. most of their fertilizer comes from Russia or did, of course, before an embargo was sanctioned on Russia on fertilizer. And so they had to find their fertilizer somewhere else, which meant that the the domestic price of fertilizer increased because they were scavenging and looking and, and the supply itself had diminished. The supply had shifted to the left, which drives up the price. And, and, and you have all of these things, you know, people still need fertilizer. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is basically, you know, you have inflation, a perfect Mm -hmm. storm has been conjured to, to make this the price of fertilizer and farming inputs themselves as high as possible, unmanageably high in order to, well, which will lead to, of course, the driving up of the cost of food, which is already exorbitant because of inflation and things of that nature. So, right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even for those that haven't seen some of the articles, most of them do uh, touch on it. I've noticed where the European Union, especially in the Netherlands, they're doing this, what they say um, is to help curb climate change. The entire uh, story being swayed is that, look, we're not doing this just to harm farmers. And they're saying their intent isn't to do that, but it's actually to stop this 
crisis of climate change. And so I guess in that case, is it maybe not worth maybe some of the suffering that farmers and consumers might face if we're stopping climate change and um, allowing, you know, the farms to keep on going? Often it's stated, you know, farms can't keep on farming if we have climate change uh, going the way that it's going. So would we not support maybe putting this ban on fertilizer or what's kind of the uh, take on that? Oh, well, those politicians could start by stop by uh, stopping flying private jets, right? Mm -hmm. They could maybe not drive their massive motorcades around the country in order to brandish just how popular they are, right? They don't have to fly to Glasgow to go to COP26. They don't have to use the heat in their homes or their hotels or whatever expensive mansions they live in, mm -hmm. in order to keep off from freezing to death kind of thing. Like, like sure. it's so hypocritical. That's what's intolerable mm -hmm. about, about this whole thing is that, you know, no one can use anything that's advanced in technology unless it's totally renewable, which nothing truly is really. I mean, mm. we can talk about nuclear and stuff after, but, but you know, right. like wind power and stuff comes from fossil fuels. Solar pa uh, power comes from fossil fuels, from, bur from burning coal to make the, the, the panel, et cetera. Nonetheless, right. is the argument legitimate? No, it's not that, that mm. we have to think about, you know, think about this for a moment. We have to stop using nitrogen fertilizer, which is critical to feed the peoples of the earth in order to stop climate change so that the peoples of the earth will, I guess, survive. But you see how it's like that whole argument collapses in on itself, because if you stop using nitrogen fertilizer, like people will starve. It's mm -hmm. objective. Either you completely change the amount of farmland that you have in the country, which you can't do. You'd have to level cities in order to start farming locations like that again to keep um, production at what it was, not yields, but production itself, which they won't mm -hmm. do, or people won't get as, as much food, right? There's only two options. And, and it's obviously going to be the second one. So mm -hmm. you, basically what, what's really being said is you have to sacrifice this portion of humanity mm -hmm. in order to save humanity. Right. Right. Which, which of course it just, it's, it's self, it's self-defeating, but not mm -hmm. only so it's like, well, show us the models, right? Right. You look at climate science, and we're not climate scientists, but mm -hmm. you look at climate science, and you see so quickly how politicized that science has become, right? Politics and the climate and climate or climate science have merged into one entity, so to mm -hmm. say, and have become this politicized way of ruling without anyone being able to object to it. So you can do whatever you want, excuse me, in the name of climate science or climate change, and it allows you to act dictatorially in order to save the world. But right. none of the models have, you know, th their predictions are false and they've been proven to be false time and time and time and time again. And that will only continue because the science itself is so politicized. So is it a legitimate argument? No. Are there emissions that are caused by fertilizer? Oh, yes, of course there are. There are emissions caused by almost everything we do. There's a balance and a trade-off that exists in a world of scarcity. But you have to look at the data. And when you do, you realize, for example, that in China, they over fertilize their fields by hundreds of percent mm. for the yields that they're achieving, right? Because there, there comes a point where you're fertilizing too much and right. you've reached a maximum yield and, you know, you can, you know, start burning fields or who knows what, but you can fertilize too much. And that's what China's doing. And mm. so the pollution they're creating is in significant excess, right? You compare that to Canada, to Saskatchewan, Alberta, Manitoba, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And you see that we are almost perfectly efficient. We neither overproduce or excuse me, we neither over fertilize or under fertilize. We are right efficient so that mm. the yields that we are achieving now are in conjunction with the amount of fertilizer that we 
implant into mm -hmm. into the ground. And so if you use less fertilizer, you'd have smaller uh, yields. If you use more fertilizer, you would have an excess of pollution. And so we are right, right efficient. Right. So yeah. what I mean to say is if, if, if you want to reduce our the farmer's um, usage of fertilizer, you will reduce his yields. It will not get better. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, ties in nicely to the next point, I guess. And I'm sure uh, most listeners can guess where we're going with this. But um, what exactly is the Alberta Prosperity Project proposing we do for farmers to help solve this issue that's being seen now in the Netherlands? Uh, I didn't mention earlier, but Canada also has mentioned we are going to be trying to limit fertilizer uh, usage of farmers. The Trudeau government has said about 30% by 2030. Um, so how would we protect the farmers and how do we stop this, I guess, from coming here? Right. So... This, this uh, invasion of farming by the WEF, WHO, UN, et cetera, and then prime ministers around the world, right, mm -hmm. that, that these current farmers are protesting. Mm. It's an anti-human agenda. Right? Mm. It's so clearly anti-human because, one, it doesn't correspond to reality, right? The reality is fertilizer is necessary to achieve the yields that we currently do in order to feed as many people as we currently do. If you eliminate our ability to use nitrogen fertilizer, you will decrease the amount of food that is available in the economy and in the world. That's sure. the reality. Sure. And you cannot disregard that reality, even though, at least on the surface, publicly, politicians are trying to disregard that reality. Mm. Now, it's anti-human because it invokes our unnecessary suffering, mm. right? So when you reduce food, when you reduce fertilizer, you reduce the amount of food available. When you reduce amount, the amount of food available, what will happen? No. Oh. People will starve, right? Sure. People won't be able to eat, which is expressly anti-human because it brings about the human's demise, his death. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so this is exactly what the APP is standing against, right? This mm -hmm. is the reason for our inception and our creation. We have seen, and it's not just limited to fertilizer, right? There are other mm -hmm. policies too, but we have seen, as so many other individuals in the nation have seen, this anti-human globalist agenda being pushed on all of us, not just, you know, not just to select few, but everyone, right? Far farming and fertilizer affects everybody because everybody eats. And we say it's expressly anti-human and it's not right. And we're trying to propose these policies and so on that harmonize with reality so that the, so that humans themselves and individuals and communities themselves might flourish instead right. of live in this state of struggling to survive. So mm. what are we proposing? Well, the first thing you do is you eliminate the carbon tax, right? right. You immediately bring the input costs down. Right. The second thing is, well, uh, there are so many things you could do, right? Mm -hmm. Eliminate the carbon tax. The second thing you do is simply let the farmer farm as he knows how to farm, right? Mm. This idea of hammering him or her with restrictions like we do in just about every industry in Canada is utter nonsense. Sure. It's one thing if the regulations are useful and they protect a third party that isn't involved in a transaction, but they don't in most cases. Mm. But in most cases, it just expands the bureaucracy to such a size that it becomes totally unmanageable. And all we're left with is all of this red tape and people trying to navigate around a law they don't even understand. And even the, it seems like the legislators don't understand it, right? Because uh, it's, it's just a massive bureaucracy that increases the size of its power, right? When you have all these regulations, the scope and the ability to influence for the politician becomes all the greater. So you eliminate the carbon tax. You eliminate all of these restrictions, right? Mm. You allow individual farmers and individuals to trade freely, right? As free as can possibly be, right? Mm. You divorce climate science and politics entirely, right? Mm. That 
politics is not the business of science and the vice sure. versa is true. Science is not in the business of politics. And when the two are merged, they form this unholy entity that has serious danger to create insurmountable uh, amounts of harm in society, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and we've seen this over the last, well, three years for sure, but really it's, it's sure. you can see it over the, the veil of history, right? Mm -hmm. It's often that the politician uses science to expand his enterprise, so to say, that is often very, very frightening, right? And very, very bad and very, very dangerous. So you do that. And you simply allow the farmer to farm, as, he, as I mentioned, to know as he knows how to farm. If he mm. thinks that he should put more nitrogen fertilizer in mm. his crop, then all, by all means, he should do so. It's one thing if a man is dumping fertilizer, right? If he's sure. dumping tritums of fertilizer in the field just for fun, of mm. course, but no one's going to do that, right? That's the kicker. Won't be a farmer much longer. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. It's like, do we yeah. honestly believe that these farmers yeah. are just using fertilizer because they like seeing their input costs rise for no particular yeah. reason? Is that what the idea is, right? Like, right. no, it's just laughable, right? Right. You know, you hear that you don't need fertilizer and stuff. And it's like, really? So all of these farmers who are trained specifically in this discipline, and they do it mm -hmm. very, very well, all yeah. of them are just doing all of these things just because for fun. <laughs> they're just yes. implanting the soil with fertilizer because they feel like it. And that's like, of course not. Yeah. It's because they know that the crop needs nutrients. It needs fertilizer mm. in order to achieve the yields that it has to achieve. And as such, if they don't use fertilizer, well, they won't achieve those yields. Mm. And then the society and the farmer will be all the worse off because of it. So yeah. in line with the other policies, if you were to simplify it into one banner, what the APP is proposing is that government get out of the business of farming. That's what it needs to be, right? Mm -hmm. Let the individual farm. He's running his own business. Let him do it as only he or she knows how to do it so that mm -hmm. you might enable them to achieve the highest standard of life possible for themselves and their families. And as a consequence, increase the overall well-being of the society uh, in total. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, I think, was a, a great brief overview of everything, not only what's going on uh, and what we're seeing right now, but what we might see in the future and how we're going to get out of it with the plan of the Alberta Prosperity Project. So uh, with that said, if someone wants to help support the podcast or support the project overall of educating all Albertans on the merits and benefits of independence for Alberta, we encourage you to check out our website. We're www.albertaprosperityproject.com. That link is also in the show notes. You can click there. You can join us at that membership site as well and we'd be happy to have you on board as well if you want to volunteer we'd love that as well it'd be so great to have you on board we already have now over a thousand volunteers with the project which we are so excited to see it's been uh, so great to see this exponential growth and for those of you across the pond of the ocean if you are somewhere in europe or something like that uh, we do stand with you here at the app keep on doing what you're doing uh, the world is watching with great hope and we're so proud of what you're doing with that with that said we're also going to be uh, coming up to lloyd next thursday as well if you want to check us out at that event both tanner and myself will be there back at the stomping grounds of where we're both from it'd be a lot of fun to meet you there uh, it would be great to see you there as well with that said though we will see you next week on the podcast tanner it was great talking to you again and uh might charge you for staying in my house this week we'll see who knows yeah maybe you should okay see you next week thanks you bet bye